Hello everyone and welcome to Camp ASMR. It is so good to have you all here. Just as some general announcements, the large main building is where you will find the administrative offices as well as personal ASMR experiences like medical exams and massages. Hairdressing and makeup facilities are also located in the center complex, and you are welcome to sign up to use those with a friend, even if you haven't scheduled an appointment with a professional. All classes and demonstrations for trades and crafts will be held in the pavilion to the south of the main building. We have facilities for painting, needlepoint, glass blowing, woodworking, and more. Guided meditation classes can be found on the beach as well as under the trees in the clearing. They share space with the yoga and Pilates classes, and you can find their schedules on the announcement boards. The cabins are all located in a quiet corner on the east side of the campground. If you have any trouble finding your personal cabin, please come down to the center complex and we would be happy to help you. Remember, you can also check out hammocks and beach umbrellas if you would like, and mosquito netting which we would recommend if you are planning on resting in the shade by the brook in the woods. Today, Dr. Andrew Michaels will be leading an easy hike into the woods for everyone who signed up for the bird watching expedition. Don't forget your binoculars, some sturdy shoes, and to pick up water and snacks in the camp kitchen before you go. Ah, uh, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Please gather around. Please come in as close as you can. How are you today? It's so good to see you at Camp ASMR. And I know some of you have been waiting a very long time come here and join us. That's right. I know. And first off, we have to do our roster of staff so that all of you know um, our wonderful camp counselors and that you can go to them for just about any problems that you may have and any concerns you may want to put forward. And we take all requests and we take all concerns 100% seriously. To my right, we have our wonderful receptionist, accountant, and jack of all trades. Can't run the place without her. <laughs> the most wonderful assistant a person could have. She also narrates my wonderful podcast every week. That's right. And here she is, and her name is... Well, she likes to go as anonymous, <laughs> if you don't mind. So maybe for the purposes of this, we'll call her Annie Anonymous. But, beside her, we have our wonderful chefs who work our kitchen and are diligent and very well-skilled in the culinary arts. Would you please stand up, Marvin and Christopher? Okay, and I see you still have your... Yes, you still have your bracelets on your ankles? Yes. Uh, they are doing community service. Don't worry, they have been vetted by our legal department. Christopher and Marvin are very safe to be around. 
um, but they do have to wear their location bra bracelets on their ankles. Um, so uh, don't ask them to go too far away from the campgrounds, you know, for any reason. Okay. And beyond them, we have our staff of wonderful masseuses, our massage therapists, our clinical di uh, diagnostics experts. We have several skilled artisans who work in all kinds of crafts. Why, this year we have a schedule chock full of ASMR-inducing crafts and skills. Some of these tradesmen are very, very well-known in their... Yes, they're given craft... And they do sell their wares. So if there's something you in particular would like, you can request it. We have glass blowing, metalworking, um, basket weaving, shoe shining. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have needlepoint, knitting. There are several classes on painting. Several classes, because we know how popular painting is amongst the ASMR community. And we also have a sculpting class, and we also have a clay class, where you can work with all kinds of clay, either sculpting or off a pottery wheel. So, we offer both this year. Okay. Wonderful. And we also have some classic internet YouTube ASMRs to choose from this year. Several have decided to come down and join us. We are only asking that you give them their space when they are on, when they are working. They will have a badge on, and you can approach them for a personalized ASMR one-on-one -on -one session or small group session, and requests are allowed within reason. But if they are not on and they don't have their badge on, then we would prefer they are left to their own devices. The rules of camp are very um, laid out and very clear. I was writing down that I went over my checklist. And all of you have passed your physical. And I would like to thank all of you for taking the time to turn in your medical papers. If you haven't turned them in yet, could you please forward them to me now? Okay, I, see, I do see we, see we have a few. Okay, just pass them along. Good. Yeah, we'll just pass them all front to me. And your signed permission slips. Alright. And your release forms. Did everybody turn them in? Oh, yeah, we have a few release forms yet. Okay. Do you have them with you? Good. Alright, just pass them forward and we'll get them right up here. Good. Wonderful, wonderful. wonderful. Alright, good. And I think that just about does it for my checklist. Um, today we will be having glass blowing demonstrations right after camp orientation. And it is a very wonderful experience with some of our favorite artisans and after that, we have a shoeshine demonstration going on in the dinner. Um, yes, for dinner. And if you do not want to partake of those uh, specific events, the shoe shining or the glass blowing events, I personally, with my assistant, are going on a nature walk. All of you have your cameras, I can see, around your neck and your binoculars. We will be going on our famed bird-watching tour to show you all the different sites where we feed the birds to get local indigenous um, creatures in, and we can show you them and where these locations are, the feeding locations, so that you can do a lot of really easy walk. Um, it's, it's, it's not a hard hike. It's very comforting and very casual. 
and I think you'll enjoy it. So if you'd like to, I'll stand over here to the side, and we'll get a head count and write some names down. Uh, we always want to make sure we know where our campers are for strictly safety purposes. You are all adults. All you have to do is let one of our camp counselors know that you would like to leave for any reason, whether you need medical supplies or food items that we do not necessarily provide here, or if you would just like to go catch a movie down at the local cinema. We only ask that you let us know that you've left so that we can keep a proper headcount. Otherwise, you can come and go as you please. All right. So it looks like we have everybody in a row. What do we have here? 25 people for the bird watching hike. Wonderful. And I see my lovely assistant, Anon, has written down all their names. Good. And we will attach that to my clipboard. And then we will be able to just sign off on that. Did I? We always sign these things so that we know that I did visually inspect the list and the names involved. So, and like I said, your safety is our utmost concern. Alright, so let's begin our walk. If you would like to go first with me, we will follow my assistant. She is absolutely the expert at walking. And as you see, we are taking a very gingerly path down through the meadow. And you can hear the birds in the trees. We attract them by having feeding stations for the different birds. Uh, we want to keep it as simple as possible. There are rare types of birds that we do not lure into our camp, but you can still spot them because they do come in and different foods produce different effects. As you can see, my assistant is coming up on our first sighting. This is one of our first stations. It is a suet area. We have suet containers in many, many trees in this area. And the suet attracts the famed blue jays of Ohio. They are absolutely gorgeous this year. Many birds do partake of suet, but the Blue Jay is absolutely the most aggressive bird, as you can see off there in the distance. There are three beautiful male Blue, um, blue Jays. Um, they're fighting over it. They're very aggressive, or they appear to be aggressive. They'll chase each other away, but it's not unusual to see two or three male adults around a suet station. Mm-hmm. Take some photographs if you'd like. I personally love the blue jay. I don't think he's as popular a bird for different reasons, but I find them just absolutely gorgeous with their crown of feathers, their bluish colors, just really bring out spring and summer for me. I just think they're a gorgeous bird. Of course, I like most birds. I could sit there and tell you that about every bird species in Ohio, practically. Are some of you from different areas of the country? Oh, where are you from? Oh, that's nice. Yes, everybody is welcome here, even people from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I know we're all a bunch of Browns fans in this area, but Steeler fans are welcome, and there are a few Ohioans who are... Yes, black and gold fans, and we just, we just, we love them all the same. They can't help it that they've been, yeah, they've been brainwashed. Mm -hmm. But most people down here are Ohio State University fans. Um, the winning record of Ohio State certainly is a lot better than the Browns, I would say. And we get the occasional Bengals fans from Cincinnati. Oh, yes, we accept fans from mm -hmm, from that area, too. 
I know, isn't it funny how we can get so caught up in rivalries? It's just, it's, I think it's a lot of wasted energy. I personally just think, leave everybody alone, let them follow whatever team they want. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we name our sports teams after birds and different animals, and you don't hate a Blue Jay just because, you know, uh, some your rival team is named after them. No. <laughs> and as you can see as we walk through these yeah, this area, um, there's a lot of willow trees, and willow trees are very in, um, usually a good sign of a wet area. So be careful getting too close to the the trunks and the bases of the willow trees because you might be getting into some wetter environments. Try to stay as close to the path as you can and when you take your nature walks. Oh, and here we have some songbird nests. I shouldn't call them nests. They're songbird boxes. We learned a long time ago if you build these specific bird boxes with specific diameter holes. Only songbirds of a certain size can go in and out of these boxes and build nests. This prevents other predators and other predatory birds from entering the bird boxes because they're too small a diameter hole for them to get inside. This both protects the bird and the nest and allows them to hatch their babies without being molested or preyed upon. And this fence marks our end of our camp territory. And being a natural barrier, unnatural barrier, we decided to make it more accessible for nature and attract the songbirds of the area. As you can see, there are some bluebirds. Mm-hmm. And... Yes, those little, yeah, those are finches, and they are just absolutely adorable, and chickadees, mm -hmm. and yes, they have already nested and hatched their first set of babies, but I think they do two sets because we have many robin's nests near the camp, and I don't know, I'm not an expert on this, on their breeding patterns, but they're babies grow up so fast. We had um, some robin eggs we were protecting. We put a fence around the tree because the nest was very low and we have a few roving cats in the uh, camp to keep down rodent population but of course they do hunt after birds as well so we must protect the birds from the cats. So we put a little fence around this robin nest and those babies hatched. There was only two of them. Well, there was three, then one of them got lost or taken. So then there was two. And we would check every day, and I think it was like a week. In like a week, they were gone. The babies, out the nest they went, flew across to another branch, and then they were, they were just gone. And uh, I can take you, actually, if you don't mind walking over this distance with me, I can show you at least this one robin's nest. And, yeah, here it is right here. I knew it was close. And see how low it is? And, oh, oh, there's two eggs in it. You can, oh, oh, we take a good look. Can you see? Okay, I'm going to let the branch go. I'm glad I didn't pull that branch down hard. I would have maybe thrown the eggs from the nest. There are some new robin eggs in that nest. Oh my goodness. Uh, the fence keeps the animals out, but of course I'm tall enough to reach over and pull the branch down. But yes, oh, there's the mother. You spotted her. Everybody, could you please look this way? Um, as we back away from the Robin's nest. Those are the parents, the mother and the father. They are very highly protective of their babies. And yes, they are very, very angry. Well, they're very protective and they're just a beautiful creature. I know they're a very common bird. I think 
Sometimes we don't look at how beautiful a simple common bird like the robin is, or the blackbirds that fly around in Ohio, the little tiny blackbirds. They're just so common, everybody forgets how beautiful they truly are, but they are a huge part of our ecosystem and contribute so much. And we do draw them in to Camp ASMR by feeding the birds seeds, suet, even carrion. We have a carrion area, too. It sounds grosser than it is, but it does attract in the buzzards. And I'll tell you what, the turkey buzzards of Ohio are a gorgeous, beautiful bird. They are so elegant, so huge, you can't even imagine a bird this big. They look like a turkey. They really do. But they can fly. Um, they get up there and they soar around and you can usually find a dead animal in the campgrounds because we have the turkey buzzards in the area. They, they will allow us to know where a dead animal might be lying in our camp. And that also helps us keep the area clean from predators or scavenging animals that could bring in rabies to the area. So it's always good to have your scavenging crows um, the ravens and turkey buzzards around to eat the carrion that might be in the area to keep the, literally keep the camp clean, if you will. And I really, I agree with you. I love crows. Ravens have the most, I agree with you. I love the caw of a crow. A crow is just the most... We used to raise them. Yes, when we were kids, what we would do is... You go out and find a crow nest. Mm -hmm. And it seems a little... Well, to be honest, I wouldn't do it anymore. They are a wild animal. But we used to find a crow's nest. And we used to, you know, get the baby out of the nest. They were very hard to, to get down because they, they put their nests up really high. But we would capture a little baby and we would feed it meat, little bits of hamburger and worms and bugs, but mostly meat like, um, you know, hamburger, ground hamburger. And boy, I will tell you, those were the, mo they might be a wild animal, but they are the most easily trained animal I've ever had. Once it fixates on you as its partner, friend, whatever you want to call it, they are just, they're there. They're, they're always there. You don't have to put them in a cage. We never did. We would just leave them outside the house, out in the trees. They're a natural animal. They do very well outside. And then they fly away and come back in the spring. And you know it's the same crow because he would come right down and let you feed them. And... You know, we'd feed him every day, and we the kids would walk down to the bus stop, and he would stay right there with them, right up in the trees, follow them down, and then he would uh, you know, be waiting for him, go do his thing during the day, and uh, when they come back, you knew the kids were coming around the corner because their bus stop was down the street and then around the corner, so it was, it was you couldn't see them from our house, but you could hear them because that crow would be just a con, yelling, calling, they're home, they're home, everything's okay. And uh, when they got older, I quit doing it because I didn't feel quite right about taking the animal from the wild. But also, we had a small, tiny incident, and it was the cutest thing. My boys were little. I don't know if I should tell you this story. You probably think it's silly. Do you mind as we're walking along? Well, we're getting up to our bird seed areas. Now, I like to keep these bird seed feeding areas kind of away from the camp itself because they draw in just every kind of bird. And as you can see from the ground around the feeding area, and the we also have several little tiny um, self-feeding bird baths in the area. Fountains that are just make this a wonderful sight and flowers 
And in, up here in the trees, you can see that we also have hummingbird feeders. Now, this garden area with the bird baths, fountains, the bird seed being fed to the birds, and, you know, the hummingbird feeders. This is a great place to find a place to sit on a bench. There are several benches around here. It's the midpoint of our hike, and it's a good chance for you to relax. And we can tell I can finish my story. But I do warn you, because of the birds we draw into this area, it's very important you wipe the seat off or check where you're sitting before you do, because there's a lot of bird feces in this area. We do have a gentleman come in and hose everything down and power wash the seats as needed, but you are going to find the occasional bird dropping in your path or on your seat, and uh, you don't want to step in it. And this time of day, as you can see, there are many, many varieties of birds in the trees. And uh, over here, I want to show you a very special area. This is very special. Um, yes, this is our hummingbird station. We have the occasional hummingbird feeder, and we have morning glories around. This is our Morning Glory Arboretum. Now, it isn't quite full yet because it's still early in July. The Morning Glories haven't fully climbed yet. But the ones that have, the hummingbirds absolutely love feeding on the Morning Glories. And as you can see, right over there, there is a feeder with several. Do you spot them? Yes. The green and red-throated hummingbird of Ohio. And the solid green one. And there's the little brown ones nearby. Yes, the red-throated ones, I think, are just so gorgeous. Emerald green with that bright red throat. And there are several of them. They are a little territorial. They are just a little. But in the whole, they usually allow each other space and let each other come in and feed. Aren't they gorgeous? Oh, I agree. They are absolutely beautiful. I personally have a weak spot for birds like this. They're just so fragile. I've seen pictures of people holding them in their hands, and I'm thinking, you're going to break them. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. And, and then, of course, right around this fountain, you can see the birds... As we approach, they all fly away, but they are close in the trees. So what I tend to tell people to do is to sit down, and I'll tell you a brief story about my sons. And uh, then we can proceed to the next area where we have the carrion for the crows and the turkey buzzards. Okay? Good. Alright, so when my boys were little, oh my gosh, they were... I had... The most adorable sons, and I loved them to death. And they were close in age, 18 months apart, and they were just such cute little boys. And they were so polite and handsome, and just girls loved them. They were very popular, and they had lots of friends, and they were just good kids. They weren't bullies or tough guys or beating people up or anything like that. They were just good little boys. And they were tough little guys, you know, they would do a lot of crazy stuff, but they were generally good-hearted kids. And they went to the bus stop, and all of a sudden, I heard that crow going insane down at the bus stop. And I knew something was wrong, and my wife absolutely knew something was wrong. Well, sure enough, the boys and their one friend were running back down the street and that crow was following them back something's wrong they're not doing what they're supposed to do and that crow was just going crazy and their little friend Ian was there and he had his coat up and he was like acting funny like he was keeping the crow back I didn't know what was going on well here there's my boys when they got closer they were being followed by a little black and a little white kitten coal black and as white as snow little kitten running behind them and they said dad 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 look so they got up to the porch and the crow was in the tree 
So Ian had to keep the crow back. He was going to attack those babies. Here they were down at the bus stop and these two... Oh, I think the only way to describe these animals is pathetic. These two pathetic little kittens. They were in such horrible condition. I mean, they had everything that you can have wrong with a cat was wrong with these poor little animals. They had ear mites. They had ringworm. They had worms. They were starving. These little guys hadn't eaten. They were abandoned. They were in the woods. And they had come through a very, very harsh part of the woods and then to get to our neighborhood. And they come out and saw those kids and just were crying. And the kids didn't know what to do, so they, they, they made them follow them. And they knew better than to touch them because they had little raw spots on them and were like, you can't touch them. And they didn't, thankfully. You know, I always tell them, you know, if you see an animal like that, you don't, don't touch it. But they followed them right back all the way down the street to the house. It was the most cutest thing I've ever seen. So I got out a couple pieces of bologna. And I've never seen a cat eat bologna in my life. I mean, maybe other people have. And I said, well, I, I just don't have anything. I didn't have... I had cat food, but I didn't know if they could eat it, and because uh, they just looked so terrible. So I got some bologna and threw it out there, and I always ripped a piece of bologna off and gave it to the crow to calm him down. So the kids are feeding the crow off, and he's calmed down now. Everything's okay. These cats ate that bologna like they had never eaten anything in their life before. And they were making these funny growling noises. You know, wow, 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 They were just so hungry. And they just devoured this bologna. And it was the cutest thing. And I felt so sorry for them. Well, my wife had to leave. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know what to do with them. I said, well, we can't let them around our dog. Because they had ear mites. They definitely, we could tell they had stuff wrong with them. So I put on gloves. And I took them in our... Um, bedroom, bathroom. Now this is going to sound kind of mean. But we had to isolate them in that little tiny half bath. With litter and food and water. And you you can't pet them until you get them checked. And those poor little things. But they had a, they had a sheet. Or not a sheet, but like a little um, blanket to sleep on. And they were warm. And I called the vet and took them to the vet. And... He gave me all these little medications, and we had to worm them, and ringworm, and oh my god, everything else. Well, we nursed those kittens for about ten days, and then I fostered them to a fellow who was willing to take. I asked around, and I found a guy who was willing to take them, and I begged him to take both, and he was. He was a nice guy. He took them, because he wanted cats in his, in his barn. And they would have a good life there with them. And the kids did get to play with them before they, before they left and all that after they got um, treated for ringworm and everything else. And I remember handing the guy the medication left over and said, you still got to treat them with this ringworm medication because they're not 100% done with it. And about two weeks later, he came back yelling at me because his wife handled them without gloves. I even gave him gloves. I remember this. I gave him gloves and the medication, and his wife handled him, of course, and got ringworm all over her hands. And uh, luckily, she got rid of it right away. But and uh, those cats had a good life. He he would, you know, I worked with the fella, and for several years he had talked about them, and they did real well. But I always thought that was a cool story. That crow saw those kittens and was gonna come down there and kick some butt and they had to keep him back away from those babies to protect them and I always thought that was the coolest story and there was a time when a dog got loose and it wasn't a bad dog it was just a neighbor dog wanting to run up and lick, lick somebody to death and that crow went crazy and that's when I decided not to to do um, to um go get it, uh, crows anymore because he just went insane and I was afraid you know if a crow comes down and scratches somebody or hurts them they know it's my pet you know so after that one uh, they, I don't think they die I think they just go away 
they get older and they just don't come back. They don't necessarily die. I just never tried to capture one again. And yes, we can start walking again. I have a wonderful area I'd like to show you if you would like to see it. It's a little gross because of the subject matter, but I think it's something that people need to see and learn about the world. Uh, if you come down in this valley here, it takes a while to get there. Uh, this is the third part of our leg of our journey. And I know, isn't that a beautiful grove with all the flowers and the hummingbird stations and the fountains? You're welcome to go there anytime you want to read. Uh, you can take a bag or a, have a lounge chair sent there. And you can even sleep that in that area if you'd like. Take naps. We don't care. It's all about relaxation here at Camp ASMR. And as we come up on this next area, we have to stay back a little bit. Behind this fenced-in area. As you can see, we have feeding stations for our turkey buzzards and the crows and ravens of the area. These are carrion feeders. Uh, they are predatorial in nature that they eat meat. They don't eat. Um, they're not uh, They're not necessarily omnivores. They certainly aren't vegetarians. They do eat meat, and they specifically eat carrion. And they have uh, the guts to digest it without getting sick. And yes, I know it's a little bit of a stark thing to see. Uh, at the, this moment, there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven turkey buzzards feeding on a carcass of a dead deer that we found on the side of the road. We didn't let this animal's death go to waste, and we brought it back to our camp to feed the birds away from the road where they will be safe. And where they won't get hit by a car. This happens quite often with crows and turkey buzzards and possums. And at night you can come back if you want. And you will see possums and possibly a raccoon feeding on the same carcass. It's rare to see a fox eating off of something that's been dead this long. But if they're hungry, they will. And it is a little gross seeing a deer getting pulled apart. But this is part of the process. And animals like this get killed or die. And nature has a niche group of animals that help clean up nature and feed off these carrion um, supplies that are provided by nature and the natural cycle of life and death is continuous and there's always a dead animal somewhere or a fish that has died and is rotting on the side of the shore for these birds to feed from and as you can see they are very very calm birds if you look up in the air there are two flying around they are very communal they have nests all in the same area they keep an eye on each other they were so vilified in the um, 19th and 20th century by farmers who just didn't know that they weren't carrying away their sheep and their lambs, but they were always getting accused of doing these things. And birds of prey and um, carrion animals like vultures and buzzards were easy prey for uh, anybody with a gun. It's actually quite sad that these birds do get shot even today by young kids with BB guns and 22 rifles that don't know they serve a very specific purpose in, in the ec ecosystem and they're a very valuable animal. And they're a big trophy to shoot. You can see they're, they're a monstrous bird. And yes, they do look so heavy and so big-bodied. It's amazing that they can fly, but, but they, they do. They fly quite well. There's one taking off right now. They're slow getting up into the air, but then they coast on the, um, the air currents 
in the updrafts of heat push them higher just like a glider mm -hmm. they are amazing and you'll see the occasional crow come down and feast on the same area as the yes they do they do not get territorial with each other from what I've seen they might push each other away if they get too close but in general they don't care if other animals come in on their kill they're more worried about their self-preservation than the kill because there's always another one down the road it doesn't seem to bother them as much they don't get very territorial at least from what I've seen that's my personal experience mm-hmm okay and moving on to our last area and this is an area I'm very proud of there is some muddy rocky ridges to the south of the camp towards our watering hole and the waterfall area and this natural watershed is usually only has a few weeds in it and as we approach it you will see there is a lot of broken gravel runoff and rocks that have fallen from the cliffs above and it's created a skid of gravel and rocks rocky area and this is perfect for an Ohio bird that we sometimes get and before I came out today I had one of my counselors check and yes you were about to get a rare experience well at least in this part of Ohio and in the rocks be very careful as we walk up do you see that little bird off to the side she's dragging her wing and acting like it's broken and she's hurt that is a killdeer and killdeers put their nested nest is usually in the rocks mm -hmm, in a sunny area and here's the nest it's just about 15 feet in front of us right there use your binoculars I don't want to get too close and upset the mother any more than she already is there's the eggs the eggs are right there out in the open but they are camouflaged you can't recognize them from the gravel and the rocks around them they are perfectly camouflaged and what she does is see how she's leading us away from the nesting area there are several killdeers in the area and they make that loud squelching caw and that's to draw your attention to them and make you think that they're hurt and then when you get too close to them they'll run away so if you will come with me we'll let her do her job and she will lead us away and once she leads us in the opposite direction of her nest she flies away and circles back to her nest we won't disturb them much more but you can see them from a distance can you yep she flew right back to her nest and if we got close again she would run she would redo the whole process over again but I don't like to torment them sadly when I was a little boy we were showed this trick and it was fun to play with the birds but you're not playing with them you're tormenting them you're frightening them and they're just working off their instinct and it's kind of sad and I don't regret it as in like I was mean but I understand that I shouldn't have done it what's that oh well I did send somebody out here to check the killdeer nests no he wasn't barefoot what did you find Oh, <laughs> are you serious? Let me see. Oh my goodness. Oh, those aren't human footprints. They're not bare either. We are very careful about bare around here. Oh no. I was afraid of this. <sighs> Every blueberry season this happens. We draw them in. 
Yes, we have a blueberry field, and um, that is also very delectable for the birds, and we cover the bushes with cheesecloth to protect the fruit till we can pick them. Um, but once in a while, we do draw in the occasional bear, I will admit that, or in this case, grass man. Uh, we have a wild man that lives in this area. He's not a man. I'm trying to... I was hoping you would... You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yes, we have a small Sasquatch problem sometimes at Camp ASMR. They do come in for the blueberries and the free food stores that they can access by night. Yes, those are legitimate Bigfoot tracks. I was hoping to avoid this and we wouldn't see these, but I see the Sasquatches come in cl quite close to our camp. And Yes. Yes, we can send for Plaster of Paris and we can make a casting of them. Take all the photos you want. No, I understand. It's quite something to see. It's very rare, even out here in the wilds of uh, southeast Ohio, to see something like this. <sighs> He's a big one, yes. I honestly think he looks like he might be seven and a half, eight foot tall version. The grass man usually doesn't get that tall in Ohio, but this is a very, very big specimen. Oh, here's John right now. He's coming in, one of our counselors, with the past plaster of Paris now. You spotted it earlier, John? Oh, okay. Well, sure, let's, let's, would you all like to participate and make your own casts? Do you have enough on your cart for everyone? Good. So whoever wants to make a plaster cast can make one. You just need to add a little bit of water to the mixture. Very good. And I am very... Yes, just dump it into the container. And then you just pour some water in there. Yeah. And uh, mix it up, stir it up good. Yep. And it's... Yeah, you just stir it until it gets nice and thick. You want to add a little more powder when it's that thin. Yeah, and then just stir it up. And then uh, dump it into the uh, cast, pour it into the cast. Here, let me help you so you don't... There you go. Just like that. And then uh, you just wait for it to dry. While you're waiting for it to dry, it, it's pretty quick. But we can follow the tracks back. See if we can find out where they lead to. Oh my goodness, he goes right up the ridge, doesn't he? Oh my goodness. There's no following these tracks. They're quite the climber. Well, they are a primate, you know, and they're very, very agile creatures. Powerfully strong and not to be trifled with. I hope this doesn't worry any of you. you believe me, your safety is, like I said, our number one concern. Don't worry. They are more afraid of us than we are of them. I know that's hard to believe. But just like the black bear will run at the sight of most people, the Sasquatch is almost totally hidden from our view. You'll see a bear on occasion, but you never see a Sasquatch. And the reason for this is they are absolutely mortally terrified of the human species. And they hide religiously from us. 
you'll see some occasional tracks like this, or in this case, oh, mm, that's what we call Bigfoot scat. Oh, boy, that is fresh. He was just through here not long ago. We might have actually chased him away, which gives you an idea of how timid they are. Oh, I guess if you really want to save a sample of it, you can... Here's a glove for you to try on and a plastic bag to put it in. Okay. Oh. Sure, I, I'm sure your children will love it. It's quite the Christmas gift. Mm. There you go. You get all of it you want. That's wicked. We just started having this problem with the Sasquatch because I don't like to speak ill of my staff. I have a wonderful staff here, but that chef that we have, Marvin, he befriends every lost soul out there. You know, like Christopher is a, you know, anyway, we don't want to talk about Christopher, but yeah, um, you believe me, you're safe here. Just, I know I'm not making you feel better when I have to keep telling you how safe you are. But um, Marvin just befriends everything. And he helped the Bigfoot in the past. And they see him as a kindred spirit for some ungodly reason. I don't know why. But he is a gentle human and innocent and childlike in his demeanor. So maybe the... Um, Yes, that is quite a bit of Bigfoot poop, but uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. No, you can have it. No, I don't I don't want it. Ooh, it's in a plastic bag now. It's all yours. Okay. I know you can smell it through the plastic. I don't understand that either. You might have got some on your fingers. So gross. But anyway, he is always befriending these creatures and... Looks like our casts are hardened now. Let's get one out and take a look at it here. Alright, let me just get it out here. And... Yeah, that's that's nice and hard. That's how you can tell. So you can lift the cast out, gingerly lift it from the sides there, and see how hard it is. Yeah. And we'll just put them all, uh You can label them here with this marker. Yeah. Date them. And then... Uh, We'll put them on the cart to take back to the camp for you, and then we'll all proceed on our way back. Sound good? Wonderful. Yeah, let's see if that one's hard enough yet. Yeah, that one is, and that one is too. That one's a little soft. Yeah, I'd let that one harden up a little bit more. Well, this was quite the adventure. We saw blue jays at the suet station. We saw hummingbirds and songbirds in their nests. We saw vultures. Yeah, turkey buzzards. And we found... Oh, oh no, I didn't forget to kill deer. And we also found robin's eggs. Remember? That was cool. Yeah. But the most exciting thing is that we've found Bigfoot tracks. Sasquatches on the prowl. And what will come of this, I don't know. But we have to be careful. When we're sitting around our campfires, when we're finished with our meals, when we're snacking or having a drink, it's important that we make sure all wrappers, packages, and drinks end up in the trash or in the sink where they belong so that we don't lure the Sasquatch any closer to our camp than necessary. Don't worry, some of the counselors are armed, and this is strictly for safety purposes. They have been well trained. You don't even see their firearms. They have concealed carry, and we also have tranquilizer darts in our um, rifles, and we have one marksman in our midst. So don't worry, everything's going to be just fine. Like I said, we do have the occasional one every ten years bobcat or 
mountain lion appearance. They're easily relocated after they're spotted and tranquilized and then removed. And we also have, um, all of us have satellite phones we can call and bring the emergency responders in as needed. Yes, so don't worry, we're, you're in very safe hands here. We've never had to. If, if we were to draw a weapon on a Bigfoot, I would shoot it into the ground before I would shoot at that creature. And believe me, they, they are more scared of us than we are of them. Seeing one this close to camp, this is probably the best you'll get. There's no way he will encroach any closer. I highly doubt it. In fact, I would bet money on it. <laughs> well, we're almost back to camp. And would all of you like to see the shoe shine demonstration and lecture in the mess hall? Because we have hors d'oeuvres and drinks and refreshments. Yes, they usually lay out a really nice fruit and vegetable tray every day because your health is also very important to us. Good, let's go in there and we'll get ourselves a nice refreshing glass of ice water and some appetizers and watch the demonstration of shoe shining right before dinner. Sounds great. All right, I'll be right in everyone. I just have to have a word with my assistant. Um, could you please come here for a minute? I thought they checked. Who allowed? How did he get in the perimeter? Did Marvin have anything to do with this? He's not a normal grass man. That is a full-size eight-foot Sasquatch. Did you see the size of those feet? We've got a Bigfoot on our hands. That sounds weird. All right, we'll let the men know in security and call local emergency services. I don't think we'll have another incident with him. He definitely ran away when we showed up. That was very fresh scat. And if I know anything about Sasquatch, he's uh, 10 miles away by now, frightened of us booking it out of here. All right. Well, thank you so much for all your help. You are the most wonderful assistant. I wish you weren't so shy about your identity because you do such a wonderful job doing all the introductions to all the podcasts and everybody admires and respects you so much. But I do like it that you are this mysterious entity that's unknown. No one knows your true identity. Dun, dun, dun. So it's kind of cool, isn't it? I guess. I don't know. I think I'm just running out of things to say. <laughs> yeah, fat chance of that happening. Well, thank you. And make sure you tell everybody about the Sasquatch incursion. And I'll go keep the guests calm. And let them show off their amazing casts. John, could you please bring those casts in? <laughs> it's funny, they forgot all about them already. Maybe I shouldn't bring it up, but I do want to make everybody aware. It wouldn't be right to hide the fact that we had a Sasquatch incursion from the rest of the campers. Honesty and integrity is our number one. It's the, We have to be transparent. It's the only way to keep our guests both safe and trusting. Because if something does happen, we definitely need them to listen to our every word Make sure you go tell security right now. I don't think it should wait. And until I see all of you, please have a most blessed day and welcome to Camp ASMR. Lots of fun in store coming up soon. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huevo. Please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. 
if you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash Hale. The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardohuello at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.